Under the Influence Podcast is all about bringing together brands, influencers, thought leaders, and communities to inspire and empower a positive impact. Each week, I will dive into the power of influence over the ever-changing, trend-chasing, and slightly obsessed entrepreneurial and influencer community. We talk insider tips, tricks, the latest buzz, and even our top not-so-secret happy hour cocktails. My name is Whitney Eckes. I'm the owner and founder of Eckes Marketing and the Influence Movement. And we are about to get under the influence. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited to have Adam from Boochcraft here on the show today. Adam is actually one of the co-founders of Boochcraft. And I'm just so excited because I love Boochcraft. Me and my best friend Molly drink it all the time. The ginger flavor is hands down the best thing ever. I love it. I even got my boyfriend totally into it. And I'm super excited to have Adam on the show today. Adam really kind of dives into their sales and marketing and really bring something new to Boochcraft. And so we're excited to really talk with him about the power of influence and kind of just being in the San Diego community as this really, I don't even want to say up and coming because I feel like you guys are like already there, but just like an awesome company within the San Diego area. So welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So Adam, give us a little background on how Boochcraft started. Well, I co-founded Boochcraft with two other guys, my uh, brother-in-law, Andrew Clark, and Ken. So I guess there's three stories, but I'll tell you my story. My background was in food. I had an organic farm-to-table catering company as well as a farm-to-table restaurant called Local Habit in Hillcrest. And we were serving all organic food made from scratch. And we also had a really amazing craft beer program, rotating kegs. And in addition, we decided we wanted to make all of our beverages, like our non-alcoholic beverages from scratch. I was in charge of that program. And one of the beverages I wanted to put on tap was my homebrew kombucha. So we were serving regular kombucha, you know, under a half percent on tap there. And people were coming in, flocking from all over San Diego County to fill up growlers of kombucha. And that's when I think the spark in my, at the back of my mind said, okay, there's something to this. I think I could do something with kombucha. But, you know, I was busy. I had two, I was running two companies and kind of put it on the back burner. And then years later, after we had sold the restaurant, a buddy of mine, Todd, came to me looking for business ideas. And the word kombucha brewery just like exploded out of my mouth. I don't even know where it came from. It, it, <laughs> That's awesome. It jumped out of that little spot in my brain that I had hit it away two years prior. And then my brother-in-law, I called him the next day, so excited to, to get him involved because of his just mad scientist brain and always tinkering and brewing beers and distilling them into liquor and moonshine and doing crazy stuff in his garage. So yeah. So tell me like, what made you choose kombucha? Like out of all the things to kind of like, you know, perfect the craft in. Well, I mean, I was making kombucha at home and just loved the beverage and wanted to share that with more people. So that's why I put it on tap at the restaurant. It was something unique. We were probably one of the first restaurants in the country to have kombucha on tap. I don't know that for sure, but I had never seen it on tap before. <laughs> yeah. So at the time, we were, you know, we were one of the leaders in that charge. And it was just amazing the response that people, you know, we sold just as much kombucha as, as much as we sold the highest selling beer that we, you know, had in the restaurant so that's so awesome so it is like in a sense like hard it's like it's alcohol right like i mean it's it's seven percent yeah so butchcraft which is a different product than what i was selling in the restaurant 
Pitchcraft is 7%, so it's just like an IPA or a pretty strong craft beer. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course I love it. Okay. So like you started off with this amazing, like home crafted kombucha, and then you kind of took a turn and you started Foodcraft, which you said was like kind of similar to like an IPA. Yeah. So similar in the, in the alcohol by volume, but not similar in the ingredients or the method in which we produce it. Yeah. We, we started off Andrew, Todd and I wanting to do regular kombucha and very quickly after we started, Andrew, who was like really obsessed with brewing beer and distilling those beers into moonshine and making wine and ciders, he had developed a gluten allergy or realized that he had a gluten allergy, so he couldn't even drink his own beers anymore that he was brewing. Oh my gosh. Uh, shortly after we started the idea of making kombucha brewery, Andrew like sparked the idea of making it higher alcohol. And that really was the turning point in kind of the whole conversation that made it that just put us off to the races and that was like a month after we kind of started that initial conversation wow i mean that's that's so awesome and you guys were definitely i don't know if you guys were the first but you were the first people that i had actually heard of that were doing this in san diego so i mean why san diego are you guys natives from here or like kind of give me the background on that i mean we're all just implanted here. We're, we're all transplants. I'm from Virginia. Uh, my sister and I moved out 15 years ago. Uh, Andrew married my sister. No, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, he's from Arizona and he's been in San Diego roughly the same amount of time as us, you know, 12, 15 years. And then Todd is from Tennessee and also transplanted here and has been here quite a while around, you know, 10, 12 years or so. So we've all transplanted here but pretty strong roots here we've been here for quite a while and this is where we live so and love it. it doesn't hurt this is the mecca of craft beer you know like the craft beer capital of the world some people call it so seriously um, i mean i grew up in san diego i was a little bit more of like on the east county side but i mean it's crazy like living in san diego and like remembering what like north park like used to look like and like now, like what it is, like, I swear there's like all these, like just little like pop-up, like craft breweries that are like everywhere. Like it's insane. Yeah. I think there's over, uh, I might be wrong, but I think there's over 130 craft, like type 23 ABC licenses in San Diego County. Wow. That's insane. You go to some other towns and it's definitely growing in other places as well, but some might have five, 10 craft breweries. We've got 130. <laughs> that's, that's an intense number. So tell us about like you guys giving back to the community. I kind of noticed that you guys like create these really, really cool projects that really impact the world and that you donate 1% of all of your gross sales to fund the projects that help create this sustainable global community. Tell me why you guys like wanted to do that and like kind of what started that. Man, I couldn't have said what you just said better than that. That was good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're going to need to write that down and send it to me. I'm <laughs> Right? I mean, I, I tried to do my homework, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Todd, Andrew, and I are all very values-driven. And when we started the company, it was more than just about trying to make money or, you know, selling an alcoholic beverage. It was always needed to have this impact, values-driven mindset. We've been all about that since day one. I've been on the board of directors at Wild Willow Farm for, I think, 10 years, 7 to 10 years now. And so that was a big, you know, a part, an early partner for us where we knew we could plug right in and start and help support projects with Wild Willow Farm. And they do a lot of really cool stuff down there in, in South Bay, which is where our brewery is located in Chula Vista. So Wild Willow Farm is like a couple miles down the road from us. 
Yeah, so we just really wanted to, you know, we want to give more than we take from the community. So if we're, you know, using resources and using energy and using things to make our product, we wanted to give back just as much as we take. And that's kind of the guiding light of our impact strategy is to really make sure we're giving as much as we're taking. And one big thing for us, too, is partnering with not just giving money directly to a nonprofit, but working collaboratively with the nonprofits to fund projects that we can really measure the impact and we know where the money and the resources is going. And even if we can, being involved in that project in some way or helping see it through, or even like with Wild Willow, we created the Farm to Families program. So we actually developed that program with them. And this is the first year, the pilot program, which is just finishing up in the next couple of months. Oh my gosh. So tell me a little bit about that program. So you're saying you said farm to family? Yeah. So the farm to families program is a program that I kind of dreamed up. And the idea was, okay, how can we support local farms and organic regenerative agricultural farms at the same time supporting people with limited resources or limited access to healthy food. And so the best way you can support a local farm is a CSA program because they're getting a constant flow of money and that money is going directly to letting them plan and know how much produce to grow and not have to worry about growing too many carrots and then only selling half of them and then have to throw half of them away. Wow. So that idea of the CSA program paired with bringing that food to local the people in the area that are, you know, have limited resources and live in a food desert, which we have a lot of people in this area down here in South Bay and Imperial Beach and Chula Vista that are, you know, don't have a lot of access to fresh produce. So the idea was, okay, what if corporations that want to make an impact give money to Wild Willow Farm to fund a CSA box to go to these families in need, but in addition to just giving them a, a produce box, pair that with education about nutrition and healthy cooking and what to do with the produce once you get it. And then finally kind of like round that out with garden education. At the culmination of the program, we do a garden build and we build gardens in each of the participants, either backyards or communities, somewhere where they can get their hands dirty and start growing their own produce. Oh my gosh. I love that you like not only take that, I mean, you guys take that to so many different levels. I mean, I love that you're pairing that education with it. I feel like that's so important. And like that alone is so valuable to be able to teach that community. Look, you know, like, here's what you do with the produce. Like, here's how you cook it. Here's how, you know, you sustain the farmland and, you know, keep it growing. That's amazing. I mean, like, I would love to learn that stuff. Like, I have no, like, I have no knowledge of anything like that. So to be able to be teaching these communities, you know, how to do that is such an impact, I, I can imagine. And I love yeah. that. So you guys are clearly impacting the San Diego community in such a big way. Tell me kind of what, how you think businesses and brands could be a better influence upon their own local communities. Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, it's a little heavy. <laughs> I... I have a lot of thoughts on that idea. Um, so if I get start rambling, you can feel free to interrupt me or, you know, clarify, ask for clarification. But, you know, I really think that there's a new paradigm of businesses coming and we hope to be a leader in this kind of new paradigm where one would be values driving profits rather than profit being the goal, you know, the the decision-making vehicle. It would be values being the decision-making vehicle. And then because of the values, that would drive a profitable business. So I think if we start with our values and really solidify those, and then every decision that runs through the business is run through those values first. And of course, it has to be profitable. We need to be able to make money if we're losing money as a business. That's not sustainable. But if sustainability is one of your values, then that would, you know, then all of your decisions would be you know, hopefully making you a profit. 
And then secondly, I think the idea of taking the word competition out of our vocabulary and then changing that to collaboration. Because really, if you think about it, if you if you think of others in the community that are selling something similar to yours as competition, then that's a win-lose relationship. We have to win. 100%. We have to lose in order for us to win. Or if we if they win, then we lose. But if you look at everything in a win-win scenario where we can all win, because in my opinion, if another high alcohol kombucha brewery pops up and starts selling and marketing high alcohol kombucha, that's just more access for more people to drink a higher vibe beverage that's not going to get them sick, you know, than the rest. And it's educating the, the public and hopefully also giving back to the community. So that's going to benefit all of us in the long run. So I think if we can kind of shift our language a little bit and just all work towards the collective good, rather than worrying about people stealing our business or, you know, stealing our proprietary information. Let's all share our information and move forward in a collaborative nature. Absolutely. I mean, I I love that you're talking on that because I feel like that's such like, I feel like we even see that shift with brands nowadays and with specific personal brands and things like that, where you're seeing people really kind of a kind of adopt this new, okay, like, let's be collaborative. Like we can get much further if we work together, even though we might be, like you said, like those com- like competitors. And I 100% agree. I think that's so amazing that especially too, I love the first thing you said about kind of letting values drive the ship and navigate the ship rather than the profits. And I feel like we are such, we're seeing such a shift in businesses. You know, you're seeing a lot of people kind of, you know, really think with what they want to do and really kind of move with their values and act with their values rather in create companies out of things that inspire them rather than creating things just to make money or, you know, hit that profit goal or hit those things like that. So I, I think that was an amazing answer. Well done. I love both of those things so much. <laughs> Um, so I think that's great. And I hundred percent, I think those could absolutely benefit our community. So kind of moving forward, you seem like such a really passionate person. And it sounds like you really kind of drive Bootstraft based on your own values and your own morals. And I don't want to say guide with your heart. Cause I feel like that sounds a little cheesy, but it sounds like you really are kind of like a passionate person. So tell us what's like, you know, the passion behind your drive. Like, why do you do what you do with Bootstraft? Huh, why do I do what I do? <laughs> I, I need to think about that one. Uh, I mean, I've always just been driven by values and, and my personal values. Ever since I moved to California, I got really into health and sustainability and organic farming and, you know, started raising, um, like growing produce in my backyard, living in kind of a community vibe house with roommates that were all on the same wavelength. And, you know, one house we lived in, we had every square inch of backyard planted with produce. We had chick, we had like five to 10 chickens at any given point in time. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> I went deep into the, you know, sustainable food movement and still am. And that's always been a driver for me. If I, I'm never willing to start a business or sell a product that I couldn't get behind personally. So with my catering company, it was the same idea, all farm to table, made from scratch catering, the restaurant, same thing. And then now Bootscraft, exact same thing. I mean, the three of us, Todd, Andrew and I, we really don't drink that much alcohol. We've been asked a couple of times, like, how come three guys that don't really drink started an alcohol company? Mm-hmm. 
and it's because we one of the reasons we didn't want to drink much alcohol was because of what we felt like it was doing to our body and we didn't feel good afterwards so we were able to create an alcohol that we could feel good about and still drink in moderation you know and just have a drink here and there and feel great and so everything i do is just it has to be 100 percent aligned with my values or else i don't i don't really want to do it wow that's incredible i love that so kind of moving off of that what if you could give like one tip for a business or for, you know, a brand right now, or maybe it's a tip that you received or a piece of advice that you received, what would that be? Hmm. I think one of the big things for us here at Bridgecraft that has been a learning experience is building culture in the company. And in the beginning, I thought that building culture was like writing down the culture of what the way we wanted and saying, here's what we want. And kind of like hoping everyone would just play it with you know, jump into it. And what I've learned and what we've learned here is that it's just, it's a lot of work. And the only way to build culture in the company is to live the culture and to live it with the company and to, it's co-created by everyone in the company. And it has to start from all directions, the top down, the bottom up, the middle out. So you really just have to like, you know, just saturate the company with the culture that you want and the values that you want. And that kind of co-creates the culture and starts exuding out. And it's super important because you can see a brand on the shelf with some nice marketing messages and, you know, some nice little taglines and some feel good stuff. And you're like, okay, this is kind of an organic brand or whatever. But if I feel, and I don't know if this is true for others, but I feel if the culture of the brand is not there and they're not really living it and exuding that culture, 100% across the board and those values, then you can kind of feel that on the shelf. You can kind of feel like there's something fake about it or it's greenwashed. And personally, I can kind of feel the brands when I see it. I'm like, okay, this brand is, I don't even know anyone that works for this company, but I know that this brand is is doing it right. And, you know, some examples of that, like for me or Dr. Bronner's, like that brand has always spoken to me and said, this brand's crushing it. And now I know everyone there and I'm friends with a lot of people there and it's true. They live it. They donate all their profits to charity. The CEO, you know, can only make four times the amount of the lowest paid employee. It's written in the bylaws, like they live that, those values. So I think there's a, there's an energetic feeling, if you will, with brands that are really doing that. Yeah, for sure. I love that you said Dr. Bronner's. I, I love them. I actually, I went backpacking through Thailand and I like tried them. I was like, okay, like I'm going to try this. Like I'll see. It was like their lavender one, I think, or something. But their product was literally so good and so amazing that I think I washed not only like my hair, but my body and like all my clothes with it. Like it was so, so awesome. It was so well made. And even to that, I feel like you, like when you really experience a product for the first time, like I get what you're saying when you can kind of like see past it or see that kind of like greenwashing, like you said. But I think too, like your first experience with a product, when you kind of take that chance and use it really kind of speaks to the quality of what it is, you know, and how it's made and how it's really kind of being sold. And hundred percent, I love that you said Dr. Bronner's. I love them so much. Cool. So we're going to go ahead and kind of switch gears a little bit. I want to ask you, you know, the whole point of this podcast is called Under the Influence. And it's really kind of tapping into this new trend of influential power that we're seeing across the digital space from marketing and sales. And I'm sure, you know, with Bootcraft, you've even had to tap into social media and tap into certain digital types of marketing. So I want to start off with asking you first, what does it, what does influence mean to you? I think influence can have a lot of different connotations and some people could maybe think of it in a good way and some people could think of it in a bad way. And I think at the end of the day, 
when we trust people or brands and when we admire them, then there, there can be an influence there and it can be very positive or negative potentially. And I think as a brand or someone with a voice or whether that be an individual on Instagram that has a lot of followers or a brand with a lot of customers, we have a duty to, to give a good message out and to, and to have a positive influence on people. You know, Adam, yes, yes. (laughs) I love it. Like, you know, when you have a lot of influence, I feel like there's an inherent duty to make a a positive impact in the world. So hundred percent. Can you like unpack that statement? Because I feel like that's what we try to dive into is like, okay, look, you do have a right to somehow either impact your community in a positive way, impact your audience in a positive way, you know, like, can you unpack that a little bit? Because I feel like that is such a big, like golden nugget that a lot of people don't talk about. Well, I think most brands, and not all, of course, and hopefully there's a trend shifting away from this, but a lot of brands will try to garner a lot of influence in order to sell more products. And of course, we want to sell more of our product and make more money and be more profitable and be able to grow our business. But if we could shift that and think, how can I garner more influence and get a bigger microphone and more of an audience so that I can make more of a positive impact in the world? And as a result of that, I'm also going to sell more products, but not as the end goal. The end goal hopefully it would be to make some impact in the world that makes everyone's quality of life better. And then, you know, that's just a reciprocal energy that comes back to us and makes our life better. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So tell me, it seems like you guys have a really, really good social media presence and digital presence and things like that. How do you kind of being in sales and marketing for Beechcraft, do you play a role in social media at all or the digital marketing aspect? Yeah, I mean, I have a team uh, in social media. Ashley Holtz is our social media guru, and she runs all of you know all of the social media, the Facebook, Instagram. We've focused on two platforms within social media. We don't want to get too dispersed there and feel a little bit like too spread out. So we've focused on Facebook and Instagram, and then we also have like a blog, a newsletter, our website. So our goal with social media is to not only communicate what we're doing and kind of the events and the things we're participating in, but also try to take the culture and the things we're building within the company and share those with the world, with the lifestyle, the health, the wellness, the science behind what we're doing, the innovation, uh, the people that work for us and the kind of humanity of what of everything. So our goal is to really give someone a window into what we do here and then hopefully to inspire them to live a healthier life, to make an impact in the world. And maybe that's with some of the projects we're doing or maybe it just inspires them to do some other thing that they're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said that like social media is like a window into what you guys do because I really do feel like going back to kind of what you're talking about with people really kind of making a positive impact through their influence. I feel like social media needs to be that, like it needs to be the window. Like again, going back to like your company culture, like you need to showcase everything that really kind of is within your company and what you guys stand for, like through your social media presence. Cause I mean, coming from like a marketing standpoint, I really starting to see social media kind of take a turn where yes, it's so important, but it really does serve to give you like that kind of window perspective of what the company is. You know what I mean? And I feel like companies that really kind of understand social media and showcasing it in that way, instead of just showcasing it as, you know, oh my gosh, look at this huge, um, you know, following we have. And, you know, we're trying to convert sales onto Instagram and all these different tactical ways. 
I feel like you're missing the point. Like social media was created to be social. It was created for yeah. human beings. And I love that you said that because I feel like a lot of people don't get that. And it's so important for brands to understand that. Anyway, I absolutely love that so much. Yeah, I think social media is like you, you touched on it, the followers and the likes and the all that stuff, like the engagement rate, that's all great, but it's not really like, it's not a numbers game. And if we can kind of take ourselves away from our primary goal being these numbers and make our goal be a feeling or, you know, just like the vibe of everything rather than it just being a number that kind of connects sideways to this topic. We get our tea from this amazing farm in China where it's like old grove tea trees that have been around for 500 to a thousand years. And the Luang people grow there. They don't have a written language and they've been basically worshiped the tea tree as a god almost. Wow. life is dedicated to tea. And as they're expanding this old growth forest, we're investing in and buying the new tea that will eventually become, you know, these old trees, the old growth trees, the 500 to 1,000 year trees, like that tea is like ridiculously expensive. It would be a bottle of bootstrap would be like a thousand dollars if we, if we made our stuff with a thousand years. I've drank some of that stuff and it's amazing. But the way they talk about tea is really cool. There's these five gates and it's the sight is the first one and then the smell and then the taste. And then they talk about the chi, which is the the kind of the vibe of the tea. So mm-hmm. then they start getting into stuff that is hard for us to translate in English. So that's like one of their descriptors is like once they drank it, then they start talking about the chi or the vibe of the tea. And then the final one is the, the yun. And the yun is like the resonance or the sound of the tea. And it's hard for us. That doesn't really translate perfectly, I don't think. But our tea guru that we get our tea from, he's explained it to me a couple of times. And I know it's tough for people to make goals that it's that they can't measure with numbers. Mm-hmm. But if we can start to thinking about like having some goals that maybe we can't measure with numbers that are just a feeling or a vibe, you know, that could be a good way to start measuring your social media. Right. I mean, I think that even goes deeper into kind of the brand development, which is I feel like I've been kind of experiencing a little bit with my own clients is like, we should be moving away from that numbers game, we should really be impacting and making personal connections via social media. And I mean, what a like a beautiful story of like that tea and like how there's a whole experience behind it. I mean, I think with any brand, you know, your goal in marketing messaging is to really storytell and build that experience with your consumer. You know, you want them to experience it. Yes, the sale is important and developing that loyalty is also, you know, crucial, but really to be able to showcase that experience and really kind of send that message of like, no, like, look at what we're doing, you know, look at the product or look at, look at the way this tea is and how there's five steps or gates. I forget what you called it, but, you know, to experience tea like that's magic i love it really cool absolutely so um all this to say we kind of talked a little bit about some trends and things like that but where do you kind of see social media going right now Hmm. i think that social media is an amazing platform to share and to connect with people and i also think it's also a very dangerous world that you can get sucked into and you can live your whole life in social media yeah so i don't know where it's going but i hope that we can start to find a balance between real human connection in life and nature and social media because i think it's an amazing tool that we can use and we can use it to connect with people around the world that you never could connect with before unless you were a zen meditation master and you could send your energy across the world <laughs> you know? 
but you know, in this day and age, we're in cities and we're and we're busy and we're running around, and social media becomes our form of connection. But I think it's really important to maintain a grounding human connection with people, and not to get lost in the world of social media. So I don't know if that's where it's going. I'm I'm hopeful that that's where we can take it. And but social media itself, you know, when I see kids, a lot of kids these days are just engulfed in their phones and social media. I'm scared that it's going in the route of just you know, people living their whole lives there. And I would just hope that maybe brands and people with influence can steer it the other direction and say, hey, put down your phone for, yes, I'm telling you this on Instagram, put down your phone for a minute. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) That's the message that we can start to, you know, push. And if enough people and enough people with influence are are steering people that in in that direction, I hope that that's where it goes. But Absolutely. I mean, it is. It's so, it's funny that like, you know, nowadays, like we're hearing about people set up these like practices on like how to like monitor themselves like on social media or like their time on social media. And it's like, really? Like that's, that's what we're coming to. That's yeah. There's another app telling them how much time they're spending on social media. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. And you know, it's two hours. It's fine. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you know, everything is so accessible now. I mean, we have like instant information constantly. It, it's just, it's such an interesting time. So I love asking people like, where do you see social media going? Because I feel like it is becoming such a new culture. Like we really are all of a sudden stepping into a whole new way of living yeah. and it's powerful. You know, it's so impactful and they're even coming out with like medical studies and like all these new interesting things that are happening because we spend so much time attached to the internet and to our phones. It's craziness. So, okay. (laughs) Kind of on a more lighthearted note, I kind of want to ask you a couple of really fun questions. You've been really, really amazing to talk to. It's really interesting to see how value-driven you are with Foochcraft. I feel like you bring a whole new element to the brand and just talking with you. And I feel like I've like got a whole new perspective of Foochcraft. So thank you for that and really kind of opening up on this podcast because I mean, it's it, this is so awesome to hear you really speak, you know, about where the brand came from and everything like that. And, you know, your own values and your own take on social media and everything from the marketing and sales perspective. I'd love to ask you some fun questions. These are kind of just easy go-to quick ones, but we're going to start off with what is your go-to cocktail? Obviously you love Foochcraft, but if you had <laughs> if you had to pick a cocktail outside of Foochcraft, what would it be? Well, maybe I can do a hybrid. Um, we actually make a lot of Foochcraft cocktails. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so Slide my, it favorite in cocktail, <laughs> my favorite cocktail prior to Boochcraft was a Moscow Mule, but um, a lot of times oh, I yeah. make it with like bur- bourbon instead of with vodka. And so my favorite cocktail now is making that same Moscow Mule, bourbon mule with uh, the ginger bootchcraft as the as for the replacement for the um the ginger beer. Oh my gosh, I love that you make it with bourbon. Tell tell us how you make it. Like, give us some like ingredients. Like, give us a recipe. Okay, so with uh, so you basically want like you know typical shot, a little bit more of bourbon or whiskey or whatever. I mean, I think a mule is really nice because it's very it's really versatile. So you could use whatever your kind of favorite liquor of choice. Tequila works really well on mules. Oh, I love then, tequila. You want some lime juice, so fresh squeezed lime, and you know either ginger beer if you don't have access to Boochcraft, ginger, lime, rose hips, pooch, 
I like to use the ginger lime rose hips pooch. And that makes a very dry, not so sweet mule because ginger beer is really sweet. And that's typically where you're getting your kind of sweetener from. Whereas mm-hmm. the ginger pooch is really low in sweetness. It's only got like five grams of sugar per 11 ounces. So if you do want to sweeten it up a little bit, then you can add some honey or some agave. And that's Yum. That yeah. sounds like I might need to make that tonight. That sounds unreal. <laughs> Um, you can also add some bitters to it, some Angostura bitters or whatever bitters you like. I love bitters. I love them. That's awesome. Okay. So what is your, are you, are you a podcaster? Do you like listening to podcasts? I love podcasts. I listen to them all. All right. Give us like your top three. It sounds like you got a couple. Okay. So let's see. Number one's Tim Ferriss. I think I, I like that one because it's a very diverse podcast and it's like a lot of different topics and he's just interviewing amazing people that are super inspirational. And then you can kind of go down the wormhole of each different person that he interviews oftentimes has their own books or podcasts or whatever. So that's a great kind of branching off point. Another one is Dave Ospreay's Bulletproof Radio. I've really been digging that lately. I'm a health junkie and love and listening, learning about like longevity and biohacking and health. So I listen to a lot of the Bulletproof Radio interviews. I've heard about that one. I've heard good things about that one. Pretty epic. It's Yeah. Whether or not you want to drink Bulletproof Coffee or the, the podcast has nothing to do with Bulletproof Coffee. The guy is just, Dave Ospreay is just like a health, he's obsessed with health and he's investing millions of dollars in new health ideas and the science of longevity and biohacking. And so he's constantly interviewing the leading cutting edge people in that field. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to give that one a listen because I've heard, I've, I've even seen it like on, like on iTunes on like recommendations and stuff like that. And I kind of was like, I don't know if I want to listen. <laughs> like, cause you know, you associate it with the coffee and you're like, I don't know. Like I've tried bulletproof coffee, but I'm, I haven't drank it consistently. Yeah. So I'm not like a believer, I guess. But I, so I guess that's what kind of turned me away. But I mean, that's awesome that, you know, I didn't know he was kind of such like a health guru and genius that way. I'm going to definitely have to listen. Yeah. Pretty amazing. And there's topics for everything you can look down and like, kind of pick the thing that you're really interested in. But there's a couple others like Chris Kresser is a really amazing functional medicine practitioner that I listen to that has a lot of cool functional health stuff. Uh, the Sustainable Dish is a really cool kind of like sustainable agriculture podcast. They're really kind of short interviews and they also can kind of branch you out into the world of sustainable food. So those are some of those guys that I like. I love it. That's awesome. So, okay, Adam, do you have like a wellness practice or like a self-love practice that like you, I'm going to say practice again, practice (laughs) every day or, you know, you have like a routine that you like to do? Yeah, definitely. I So my daily routine is breath work and meditation. I like to try to get that in every single day, whether it only be like one breath work cycle and a five minute meditation or um, three or four breath work cycles and you know maybe a 10 or 20 minute meditation. I For my meditations, I try to shoot for like really high quality meditations that are shorter. And I don't, you know, I'm really busy and it's tough to find time to do anything these days, you know, so, and there's a lot of things I love doing, including surfing and you know, yoga and acro yoga. So even if I can just get a five minute meditation, it really helps me ground for the day and kind of like vision for the future and things like that. And the breath work I do is basically the Wim Hof method. So I, I did the Wim Hof 10 week uh, training online. And now I just have incorporated that into my daily practice. Wow. That's awesome. When do you usually find time to like meditate? I normally try to do everything in the mornings because it really sets off the day, right? And it's, before things start bombarding you throughout the day and then sometimes in the evening I'll read and then do a little meditation before I go to bed so very cool yeah I feel, 
not a hundred percent. No, I mean, I love that. That's cool. I feel like, you know, we see more and more entrepreneurs have some sort of like morning routine or like evening routine that they're kind of just stick to. And it almost becomes like, you know, like a religious practice. Like it's so necessary and they practice it so well because of their schedules always just being so bombarded and crazy. Well, that's awesome. So we'll kind of end on this question, but who is like a favorite business owner or like person of influence for you right now? Hmm. That's a good question. Let's see. Well, there's a guy, uh, the, the best one I can come up with right now, just because I'm in the middle of reading his book is Alberto Yoldo. And I actually heard him interviewed on the Bulletproof Radio. And he wrote his most recent book is called The Heart of the Shaman. And he's he's really cool in that he comes from a, a science background. He was a brain research scientist and professor. And he's also gone and lived with and studied with the shamans in the Andes and kind of really dedicated his whole life to learning about their ancient medicine and culture and vision quests and plant medicine. And so he, he walks this really cool line of science and spirit and then like weaves it all back together. And sometimes he'll say something off on this side where you're like, whoa, that's a little out there. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> bring it back and like say the science behind it and you know be talking about the mitochondria or whatever in your body and kind of relate it to that the light energy or whatever that he was just talking about and you're like oh wow this guy is like knows Whoa. what he's talking about like it's next wonderful. level <laughs> yeah you're like okay this is where we need to take everything so i'm reading his book right now and if you listen to his interview on bulletproof radio it's a really awesome interview oh that's so cool i mean i love that and he sounds so interesting i love I love hearing people like that speak because like you said, like either you're like one minute, you're like, what, like what, where did that even come from? And then you're like, oh my God, it makes so much sense in their own brain. Well, this was awesome, Adam. I want to thank you so much for going underneath the influence with us. And thank you so much for coming on the show and really kind of talking with us about Boochcraft. Again, I love Boochcraft. I already told you kind of my own personal experience with you guys. You've supported some events for us and really made the events really special. So I have to thank you guys for that. And just for being such an awesome part of the San Diego community as a business presence. It's really cool seeing, you know, people like you out there in this business world that it's, you know, impacting our hometown of San Diego. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And we were so happy to have you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure.